0: This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. You know, with the heat that Ontarians are feeling right now, their ears are probably burning red uh, because their blood pressure is so high. As uh, Premier Wynne announces this morning that uh, she is going to reduce uh, hydro rates another 17 percent right the way across the board. Uh, That's on top of the 8% they've already awarded us for the HST, the provincial portion of the HST in the rebate, uh, totaling 25%. uh, And basically she's doing that by refinancing all of these. So instead of, well, she said, well, here's her explanation on why, and, well, here's her explanation.
1: Instead of paying off the mortgage in 30 years, we agree to a term of 20. That means that we pay things down faster. But the monthly mortgage payments, or in this case, your hydro bills, are higher.
0: So is she assuming that interest rates that we have been enjoying since the uh, Great Recession of 2008-2009, is she suggesting those interest rates are going to stay as low as they are now over the next 30 years? My goodness. Uh, joining us now is Bruce Sharp, Bruce Sharp Energy, Ontario Energy and Greenhouse Gas Expert, and is with us now. Hello, Bruce. How are you today?
2: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well, Bruce. What are your thoughts on all of
2: this? Um, well, I don't really think too much of it. I, uh, I think it's bad policy. Uh, I think it's buying off voters with their own money, and ultimately it's uh, going to increase costs down the road.
0: So why not just rejig the system? Why not fix the system? Why not address the problem that's creating this?
2: Well, I think the the problem is that it's incredibly complex. It's like straightening straightening out a plate of spaghetti. You know, the Ontario electricity market is like a bad golf swing that's had many attempted applications of Band-Aid solutions. Mm. And so we're in such a mess that it would require... A total overhaul of things to really set it straight. And and even then, there's been so much in the way of commitments to costs that you really can't go backwards.
0: So what's the solution here?
2: Um, well, I don't know if there's a solution per se. I, I don't think extending out or, you know, financing a lot of the market costs further out is really the right thing to do. Um, you know, I think transparency is always a good thing to have and it's been pretty clear that we we have not had transparency in our electricity market for quite a while. Um, As I alluded to all those cost commitments we've made, I mean we've missed some opportunities along the way to avoid costs. Um, There was one key policy decision made back at the beginning of the Green Energy Act where they had an opportunity to systematically ratchet down the price paid for solar contracts and that would have reduced uh, the amount of solar that we have contracted now would have reduced it by about 60 percent you know that would have saved maybe 900 million dollars a year um that eight percent uh reduction in rates for most uh, residential small business consumers is costing about a billion a year, and that's added to taxpayer bill. Um, Samsung contracts, they were so late in implementing a lot of their contracts that instead of a reduction in the contract quantity, they probably could have just uh, stopped the contracts completely and saved a few hundred million dollars a year. So there's been a few missteps along the way for sure
0: uh... how did we get roped into this uh, you know at, at the end of the day even the auditor generals and, and this isn't about being green or not being green this is about overspending lack of due diligence or cost analysis uh... you know the o- auditor general said we overpaid for, you know for this by something like thirty seven billion dollars uh, how did we we get to the point we where we are so much overpaying for these contracts
2: well i think there's there's two things one is uh back in about well two thousand eight two thousand nine when the green energy act came along george smitherman and the powers that be at the time decided to abandon professional power system planning so the power system planners at the time had an ipsp a system plan that foresaw much more modest forays into and growth in renewable energy for example You know, and then we saw the economic downturn around around 2008, 2009. So it was pretty apparent at that time that we were going to see load flattened out. So we wouldn't necessarily need new generation to come on. So, and, you know, if we look at coal replacement, now the government likes to say, well, renewables are a big part of replacing coal, but really they weren't. It's essentially natural gas. Yeah. nuclear so you know we've had a a massive amount of renewables investment after we effectively got rid of coal at least from the perspective of generation that was going to actually come in and do the job so you know we've again like i said we made a, a lot of missteps along the way
0: so so there's nothing we can do about this until the end of time we're locked into this for the next generation for the next 20 or 30 years there's nothing that can be done
2: well, you know, there's there's a, a range of starting points of all these contracts, but yeah, I mean, the best thing, or the the best thing that we can probably do is to just allow the contracts to expire as they do so. Um, you know, I don't think refinancing and pushing it out is necessarily the right thing. I think that's a pretty transparent move, you know, to try to buy votes in next year's election.
0: And, and, and to go beyond that, why continue to sign new ones?
2: Well, that's it exactly. I mean, we should be just, you know, pulling up the drawbridge, drawbridge door, as I call it, and saying no more. But really, I mean, and so we should do that. But what we're avoiding wouldn't be that much relative to the commitments we've already made.
0: Uh it is twelve eighteen. We are talking with uh, Bruce Sharp Bruce Sharp uh, Bruce Sharp Energy, Ontario Energy and Greenhouse uh expert. How do you think Ontarians are gonna respond to this?
2: Well I think there's there's probably gonna be a couple of reactions. I've already seen some online and um some ratepayers see it exactly for what it is. They see it as just pushing things out, kind of like the equivalent of them taking a very long amortization on their mortgage, and they they, they know there's going to be a reduction and maybe a long-term increase, but then at the same time, they're also might be saying, "Well, I'll just take the reduction, you know, and yeah. pay the piper later." Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I, for people who are, you know, a little more astute, I, I think they would, they should be thinking, you know, um, that. This is really just a shell game.
0: Uh, So do liberals in their hearts, do you think, really believe this? Do do you really believe they think this is the answer? Not so much for the survival of their party, but for the betterment of the the province.
2: Um, Well, I think they've probably bought into the idea that we have these 20-year contracts and people are saying, well, <clears throat> the life of the assets are, are longer than 20 years, so it's appropriate to finance it in that way. And, you know, I think that's that's up for debate in terms of what is the longevity of a a wind farm, what is the longevity of, of solar and the like. Um, so that, that's all I can guess is that if they believe it's a good thing, it's it's really tied to that fact that, you know, we're... We have a, a shorter contract, and it we can just push it out and, and really match it up more with the asset life.
0: How does the opposition react to this? Uh, what do they do if they end up forming the next government? Won't they have to supply the same sort of uh, rate relief in some form?
2: I would think there'd be a lot of pressure for that. You know, it's it's pretty hard to kind of uh, unring the bell yeah. and, and go back to you know what we had before those higher costs so you know the only thing I would hope for is that there would be greater and greater transparency of everything that's going on including the amount that we're financing over time, because it is going to be quite a quite a big pile of money.
0: Let me ask you this, Bruce, as a, as an expert in all of this, how how are we supposed to possibly have confidence in Kathleen Wynne uh, moving forward with a cap and trade system if she screwed this up so badly?
2: Um, I think that my biggest issue with with cap and trade is. Is not that we have it, but but how we're going to spend the money that's collected from it.
0: Again, it's it's not transparent. A carbon tax is, you know, cap and trade seems to be able to be hidden anywhere.
2: Well, the amount, yeah, is is being hidden, and you know, the the OEB basically came out with a ruling and, and forced the natural gas distributors to to hide the amount being collected on the delivery line of bills, which I think was inappropriate. It should be very visible to people so that. It is a price signal that people are aware of and can effectively respond to um so i you know i think again getting back to how they're going to spend the money we we definitely need transparency on that and we need some independent views about you know what the cost effectiveness is for how we're going to be spending that money and i'm i'm not optimistic about transparency or about objective views about the value of the money spent.
0: Hmm. Bruce Sharp has been with us. Bruce Sharp Energy, Ontario energy and greenhouse gas expert. Bruce, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Okay. Thank you, Scott. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Who would have thought that solving our electricity problems in Ontario just really mounted to, hmm, very similar to what people do when they're consolidating their credit card debt? Let's bring in Peter Tabins. He's an MPP, Toronto Danforth. He's the NDP energy critic and is with us now. Hello, Peter. How are you today?
3: Hey, Scott. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate this. What are your thoughts on what you heard today?
3: Well, this is a very expensive pre-election scheme. You know, this is going to cost us somewhere in the range of $25 billion. Uh, the Premier will get what she wants, lower prices so that she can make things look good for the next election, but we get stuck with the bill. Uh, when you look at it, uh, she said that she's going to deal with inflationary increases for the next four years. But after that, there's no guarantees. So, Scott, it looks like it's going to be a very pricey way to deal with this. You know, we came forward, the NDP came forward earlier this week with uh, a plan to actually change the system, uh, make sure that people didn't have to pay time of use anymore, help people in rural areas reduce their, their delivery charges, but really end this privatization scheme that the Liberals have put in place along with the Tories. And that's what's really killing us. You know, when Mike Harris privatized the system, we leased off the Bruce Power plant. Uh, The Liberals came in, said that they were going to return to public ownership, but they didn't. They signed all kinds of private contracts, and we're paying for them. So if she's not going to deal with privatization, if she's not going to deal with time of use, if she's just going to borrow a lot more money, then, frankly, in a few years, we're going to be back in the same position as we are now. And that's soaring rates and people having a really tough time making their payments. I mean, people need some relief. They need support. But I don't think they really want to take on this huge credit card debt for $25 billion. Uh,
0: You talked about uh, her doing this now because of the looming next election. Here were her thoughts on why now.
1: Let me address the elephant in the room. Why did it take me so long to come to grips with this, and why am I only acting now? And those are fair questions. It has taken a long time. But it's not as if I've been unaware of the challenge.
0: Uh, You're yeah, Well,
3: right? <laughs> do you believe that?
4: No.
0: I
3: mean uh, well, you frankly, know, nothing was moving on this file until the Liberals lost a by-election in Scarborough, and they realized that they were in deep trouble. They looked at their polling. They realized they were in deep trouble. They must have talked to a few people because they figured out what it was that was killing them. But quite honestly, until it became a political crisis for them, the financial crisis, the big crunch that people were feeling was not an issue for them. I mean, I've been in the legislature. I ask questions of the premier. I hear other questions asked. This was not on their mind. Now it is. Now because they can see that the end is coming frankly this is not the action of a compassionate government that sees that people are in difficulty This is the action of a desperate government that sees it's about to be wiped out.
0: Peter Tabins is with his MPP, Toronto Danforth, the NDP energy critic. Uh, We've had many experts on, Peter, that that have said that um, this has more to do with what we see in the the price increases have more to do with what we see in the global adjustment, and that is what we're overpaying for renewables. Uh, I saw the document that uh, the NDP put out this week. There really really isn't much mention of what you will do with the renewable file. Where, you know, and and again you were talking about buying back shares of Hydro One, Uh, you know, there were experts that we've had on that said that just makes sense. That's, you know, selling and then buying back at a higher price. Why, you know, what about renewables? Where's your thought on that? How do we solve that issue?
3: Well, renewable power is only about 10% of our hydro bills. Hydro bills have gone up 100% in a decade. Renewables are ten percent of so that. So you're saying very-
0: so you're saying that uh, you know people are talking about the global adjustment, and that is the amount that we're overpaying for the rate of electricity to pay for renewable energy. So you're no, saying that
3: the renewable, the global adjustment, 65 percent of that goes to nuclear and gas plants. Uh, gas plant gas power in this province costs dramatically more than wind energy. That's what's really killing us. Is
0: Sorry, sorry. Say that again? What costs us more?
3: Uh, Gas-fired power.
0: Costs us more than wind energy. Much more. I'm not talking about once it's built. I'm talking about the No, I'm talking about
3: ongoing. I'm talking about ongoing. Uh, Gas power in this province costs $0.17 a kilowatt hour, and wind is about 11 So... If you look at the numbers, I don't know who you were talking to, Scott, but if you actually look at the numbers, renewable—Ross
0: McKittrick, uh, uh, Tom Adams—I mean, there's lots of energy people that that, that yeah, everybody well, talks to.
3: And I and I read the reports as well. And I, I tell you, I look at the numbers. Renewable power is responsible for about ten percent of your hydro bill. So, 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 so wait a second.
0: So, Kathleen Wynne's Green Energy Act and the whole renewable thing has only cost us ten percent more on our energy bill. Yep. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, no,
3: the the big thing for us is the privatization of the system. Because with the privatization, we added about a billion dollars a year to our hydro bills that we're paying in private profits to companies. About a billion dollars a year. It's a lot of money. And it's also meant that when the demand for electricity has gone down, we couldn't shut down plants because, frankly, we were on the hook for profits for decades. And it's the privatization that's made it more expensive, less flexible and put us in this really difficult position and and the fact is the liberals like privatization conservatives like it as well and if we don't deal with that we're never actually going to get our hydro prices under control we just will not be able to
4: Hmm.
0: All right. Thanks for the call. Much appreciated. Peter Tabins has been with us. MP, Toronto Danforth, NDP energy critic. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Scott. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900-CHML. One organization that is optimistic from this morning's announcement is Hydro One. Uh, Fario Puglis is with us. He is the executive vice president, customer care and corporate affairs Hydro One. I think this is one of the toughest gigs in the country. And right now he is with us. Hello, Fario. How are you today? I'm very good, Scott. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us. We appreciate this. So, uh, you're optimistic about this announcement today?
4: Well, I'm optimistic, yes. I mean, we've been advocating for customers for quite some time, and uh, we certainly see this as relief. That is... um, has been uh, needed, and what customers have been asking for for quite some time, especially in our customer base. So, for you, it doesn't matter what kind
0: of relief they get, as long as they get some relief, or and you try to stay out of the politics of it all. Or, you know, what's your take on those that say this is just, uh, you know, extending your, you know, your credit card payments? This is just extending your mortgage.
4: Well, look, it, there's, I, I, there's no shortage of, uh, I think, issues and discussions on this that are would politicize it. But I guess if I look at it from the point of view of the customer, um, I see this as some uh, necessary relief and adjustments to policy that we actually think uh, is, is sustainable. Uh, it'll be, uh, you know, covered over the course of the next period of time. Uh, through the, the rate base, and obviously there's some being incented by the, the tax uh, base as well. But given the current challenges with the electricity system here and at least our study of what's gone on elsewhere in the world um, on, on electricity, some of these changes that have been introduced here in Ontario um, are not that different from things that have done been done in other jurisdictions to help correct uh, a systemic problem. And so I look at it from that point of view in particular, having sat with many customers in the rural part of Ontario uh, who are struggling with electricity uh, prices and um, having difficulty with that uh, to me some of the changes here in particular leveling um, the delivery charges more in line with urban charges I think is very fair.
0: Uh, You talked about this systemic problem how did we end up with this uh, systemic problem? How did we get here?
4: Well You know, what I would suggest you do with that one is is you get greater feedback from, you know, policymakers on that. There's certainly a history of decisions that have been made in the past. But, um, you know, I think that in any system like ours, being as complex as it is, uh, decisions were made in the past that have gotten us to, uh, to to where we are here. Uh, we can argue whether they were right or wrong. I think you need to look forward on some of these and suggest, okay, what, where have we actually addressed the system, put a peg in the sand to correct the problem for the long term? And, again, I, I come back to the point of view of saying I see this as uh, some changes that are sustainable, and I think will address some issues that we've all been hearing about from people, uh, that uh, we know in the province have uh, been needing some, some
0: change. Are you concerned at all about extending this in the sense that, you know, right now we're in a climate of extremely low, historic, uh, historically low interest rates? Uh, U.S. rates are going up. Many economists have said there's obviously only one way this can go. What's this going to be like 30 years from now, 20 years from now?
4: Well, you know, I think that's a piece to get some clarity from, you know, government on how they plan to finance the global adjustment. I guess when I look at that, uh, in principle, just exactly what that global adjustment refinancing will do. If anything, what it does is it, uh, you know, they've talked about remortgaging the, um, the the cost of that and extending the payments over a longer period of time. You know, in essence, what it what it is doing for the customer is it's getting the volumetric charge, the time of use charge on their bill down um, so that, you know, when they have a greater opportunity to conserve, they'll see a greater impact. And nonetheless, on their utilization, they'll see a lower charge uh, with respect to that.
0: How much of what we pay on our bill? You talk about the global adjustment. Obviously, there's been calls to, you know, to clarify that and, and, and basically tell everybody where the global adjustment is and how much we're overpaying uh, you know, um, uh, with the tariff program and, and financing this stuff. How much of that acquired is, is 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 involved in our bill? We, we just had the NDP energy critic on it and basically said that renewables is really only 10% of our bill.
4: Yeah, you know, good question. I don't know the details about, you know, how much or what percentage of the bill would actually be associated with renewables. Um, you know, I do do know that certainly the green energy is a part of the global adjustment. That is, and in a, and a that, large uh, part
0: of it, is it not?
4: Yes, yes, it is, and it has, and it has increased uh, certainly over the years, um, and makes up that large volumetric uh, charge that's on a on a person's bill. You know, when you look at this uh, combined with uh, the global adjustment reduction of twenty percent, along with the um, the inducement that they've done to the triple RP program, what we're seeing in terms of adjustments for Hydro One customers is the, the impact is as high as 31% on average uh, across our system. So it's about a $70 a month improvement, um, which is coming both by the the electricity consumption rate and the delivery rate.
0: Uh, what about, we're constantly getting email and response from listeners about salaries at, at you know within companies like this. What are your thoughts?
4: Well, we understand that question. Uh, we get it as well. Uh, you know, I will say that you know today's news is about the customers. It's about what we can do to continue to better serve them. I will tell you that as a new publicly traded entity, every single one of us here from the CEO on down is held to a very, very high standard for performance. Their compensation is anchored to that. And as a result of that, what we're trying to do with the way we run the business is look at ways in which we run and use our assets more efficiently uh, and return those savings back to customers. And then at the same time, Create and increase the value proposition for our customers, and you know I think, uh, you know I'm, I I can confidently say that in the last year that we've made some significant changes on that front. We've we've uh, fixed our billing problems. We've uh, launched e-billing. We've reached out to customers uh, in various communities to do outreach and ex- explain bills. We've fixed our collections policies. We've reconnected customers. We're going to do more of that stuff, and um, and that's what we're held to. Count to. and. You know, um, one other piece, Scott, I will mention that, that is maybe not as clear in the release today, but one other item that came forward, and, it's, and it ties into this, but what we were doing with customers, is the affordability fund. The affordability fund was, uh, was put out as well. This is uh, going to be roughly $200 million that will be allocated for all customers across the province, 4 million customers, whereby... People who, don't, who are low-income but don't qualify for some of the social programs, this is allowing us to get programs in their hands to people that need it most. So, you know, improving homes with, you know, um, uh, heat source pumps, for example, so they can get off of electric heating and so on. So we, we'll be adjudicating that uh, with all the other LDCs across the province. And again, this just gets back to the need for us to shift the way the system's operating now and how it's working with customers uh, individually in a case-by-case.
0: Doesn't it seem odd, though, that we're doing what we can to get people off electric heat, and that's exactly what Kathleen Wynn has been promoting? The only thing is it's now become so unaffordable, no one can, no one can run their households on it. It just seems odd that we're replacing electric heat, which is the cleanest and, up until very recently, the cheapest way uh, for rural people to to heat their homes. I mean, they've been doing it for decades. Now, all of a sudden, it's an issue, and we're moving people away from clean, efficient electricity because they just can't afford it anymore. Doesn't that seem odd?
4: Yeah, and that's a great question, and I think what you'll see with this news, um, because I've thought of that myself, I think what you'll see with this news is that It actually may soften that. I mean, you may see people now in a position where, okay, they're going to seek ways where they'll try to get off of electric heat in places where they have the ability to tap into gas lines. But unfortunately, in a lot of the rural communities, there is no gas service. They're in poorly insulated homes. So softening and delivering some relief on this front, this is my point about getting it to those that need it most. Getting this relief in place it uh, means that now their their utilization charge goes down, their delivery charge goes down, which now makes electric heating more affordable and where it actually should be. It shouldn't be out of reach. I couldn't agree with you more. I've been out in those communities. I've met those customers. I've talked to them. Um, you know, it's they they shouldn't be in a position where they have to live in a home with electric heat and can't afford to stay warm. And everybody agrees with that,
0: that. Ferriero. It's just I'm not sure that, you know, and everybody, and I agree with you saying uh, with what you're saying on the relief, but I don't think too many people agree on that the answer is to just refinance this and punt it further down the road. It's how we got here, I think, that has people upset. Ferriero uh, Puglis has been with us, Executive Vice President, Customer Care, Corporate Affairs, Hydro One. Fario, thanks for the time. Much appreciated.
4: Pleasure. Thanks for having us. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show,
0: weekdays from noon to three on AM 900 CHML. What does the Canadian Taxpayers Federation say about the Ontario government's plan to tackle rising electricity rates? Uh, with more on this, Christine Van Guyen is with us, Canadian Taxpayers Federation, Ontario director, and with us now. Hello, Christine. How are you today?
5: I'm all right. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. What are your thoughts?
5: Um, yeah, so I mean, this, uh, this announcement that came out today was kind of what we expected. Uh, basically, the premier is going to be extending bunch of contracts uh, and and stretching the global adjustment out over a longer period of time. Um, and that's a problem for a whole bunch of reasons. The first of which is it doesn't actually solve the prob- the, the underlying cause of the problem, um, which is, is that electricity rates are going to continue to rise because of her Green Energy Act.
0: Uh, she says, though, they will be capped at the rate of inflation for four years. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Good luck.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, also keep in mind that this is just for residential consumers. This yeah. doesn't have anything to do with, with small businesses, and small and medium sized businesses are going to continue to uh, have those sky high bills that we see um, causing them to, to shut up shop and leave the province. But what, what the problem is, is that this is kicking the can down the road. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's capped to the price of inflation or the, the cost of inflation. Um, Until it's not right, so for the next four years, I think is is what her her plan is saying. Um, That once once that ends, I think it's a a price of about one 1.2 billion or 1.4 billion a year in extra interest costs that we'll be paying in the future. So it doesn't solve the underlying problem at all. It just means that we'll be paying a whole lot more in the future and a whole lot more over a longer period of time.
0: Uh, Peter Tabins, the NDP energy critic, said that this has nothing to do with renewables, that that only accounts for 10% of your bill. That the, and the cost of your bill, that this is all about privatization. That's when everything started to go south. They put out a, a report the other day saying uh, what they would do, and, and it was all about reversing privatization, really nothing about renewables. What are your thoughts on that?
5: Well, I mean, part of the problem with today's announcement is basically the Premier is saying we're going to be stretching out the contracts over a 30-year term instead of a, a 20-year term. But renewable resources like wind turbines have a a life expectancy of 20 years, so um, they will be decommissioned after 20 years. So it means that either we'll be using them past their life. Expectancy, which means they'll, they'll be kind of expensive to, very expensive to maintain, they'll be outdated technology, or they'll just be decommissioned, but we continue to pay for them after the end of their life expectancy, so um, or after they've been decommissioned. So the, the premier made the analogy of, of a mortgage. She said, we're, we're refinancing the mortgage. And um, in some respects, It is kind of like paying less now and paying more over the longer term. But there's a major difference between a mortgage and what she's doing. When you are done with your mortgage, you own your house and you can live in it and you can sell it. But with these, these assets, with these, uh, with this equipment, um, it has a life expectancy of 20 years. So if you have a 30-year mortgage on a 20-year asset, you're paying for after the life of the asset. That's not the same thing. You don't pay for your house after your house has been demolished.
0: Hmm. Uh, so what are your comments on the NDP critics saying this is all about privatization and less about misspending on green energy?
5: Um, well, I mean, the, the NDP has their own agenda. Their their yeah. major concern with with the Ontario electricity sector is the sale the privatization of hydro one mm-hmm. um so of course they would use this as an opportunity to to push that but the reality is uh is is renewables cost have cost ontario a lot um i've 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 seen reports that about 20 percent of of the bill is is actually renewables not uh not five percent and in some places you know in ohio wind is eight cents a kilowatt hour in ontario we had some contracts for like 80 cents a kilowatt hour so there's no question that we're overpaying for renewable power and that that has driven up the 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 cost of electricity in ontario i mean that's and, and,
0: and, in and that is the major reason it has gone up correct like you know because everybody seems to have a foggy answer when it comes to this it, it, you know uh,
5: it, it is a large reason why it's gone up I mean there's been a, a lot of things that this government has done and that subsequent government or previous governments have done that have really tinkered with the electricity sector um, and that's why our position at Canadian Federation is we kind of are sick of the government's Tinkering with the system and, and politically meddling with things because, you know, the announcement that we saw today will give some short term relief, but it's going to be really, really painful 10 years from now. And, and it's kind of similar to, to what Kathleen Wynn is blaming previous uh, generations of politicians for doing so. It's it's hypocritical and it, it's damaging in the long term.
0: Yeah, I remember at the beginning of all of this, when she was starting to sell us on all of this, she said, "Well, everybody in the past, you know, uh, governments has just been punting this problem down the road. We're not going to do that." And now she's decided to punt.
5: Yeah, of course, and she's saying um, that that she's not doing that. But at the, I mean, she's talking out of both sides of her mouth, right? She's saying uh, it's not fair. That Ontarians today are paying for um, for ge- for the generation investments that we're making, but um, she's making future generations pay a lot more than they otherwise would have to. Uh, it's it's really a political decision. It's the same thing she criticized Ernie Eves for doing when Ex- he exactly when when he, when he was a year out from an election um, and he got involved in in uh, efforts to politically. L- take action to, to lower electricity bills. And she's doing exactly the same thing. This is just pure politics. This is just her trying to get reelected. And you know what? People are not buying it.
0: Uh, this is what she had to say today regarding the cost.
1: Over time, it will cost a bit more. That's true. And it will take longer to pay off. That's also true. But it is fairer because it doesn't ask this generation of hydro customers alone to pay the freight for everyone who came before and everyone who's going to come after
0: that's a good one christine you gotta admit it
5: (laughs) well instead what she's doing is asking Um, consumers of the future to pay for her re-election of today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this really has nothing. And again, this is what really annoys me about this government, because everybody is green now. Everybody wants to preserve the environment. Everybody wants to do the right thing. But she's pitting one side against the other, saying that if you don't buy into this, that you're not being green. And it has nothing to do with that at all. What this is about is her overpaying for it and not doing her due diligence and as you mentioned, this is not about getting Ontario on renewables. This is about paying for her mistake by uh, not doing her due diligence when she signed all of these deals.
5: Yeah, you're absolutely right. If she really cared about renewables, um, you know, wind turbines today are much more advanced technology than the wind turbines that existed when these contracts were first entered. Instead of, um, you know, Extending for another decade, the out, what will then be outdated technology. She would be, you know, supporting newer technology that's more efficient, that's less maintenance, that is uh, producing more power at lower cost. Um, but instead, we're going to have these old, this old technology that we will be paying for um, well past its life expectancy. And that—that I mean, even if you buy into the argument that that uh, of renewables. And renewables don't have to be inefficient, but she's encouraging the use of the least efficient, the least productive, and the most outdated technology.
0: Well, you know, I was just on the phone with the uh, with Ferio uh, Puglies, the Executive Vice President of Customer Care and Corporate Affairs for Hydro One. They're obviously for this because anything that takes the pressure off them, they're going to be happy with. But, you know, he talked about fixing the systemic problem and, and enabling these people to find alternate forms of electricity, of, of heating their homes, and I and I said point blank to him, how ironic is it that Kathleen Wynne has been pushing and preaching clean, renewable electricity for Lord knows how long, and now she's taking it out of the homes of rural Ontario uh, that have been heating their homes with it for decades and replacing it with natural gas because they can't afford the clean electric energy anymore. That yeah. like how ironic and, is that? You're taking people off of electricity and you're putting them on gas because they can't afford what you've created.
5: But then she's going to be taxing natural gas. Exactly. She just started to do. So, I mean, it's kind of catch 22. You're going to you really lose either way in in this province, but um, it's not about really it's 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 just politics. It's not actually promoting the things she says that she believes in, because if she really believed in those things, she wouldn't be doing it this way.
0: Um, you know, and we've talked about this many times, why she just doesn't fix this instead of continually uh, signing more contracts. Um, uh, and then we've had some experts say that there really isn't that much that can be done now. Is there that much wiggle room for opposition, do you think? And um, and let me ask you this, Christine. Let me ask you this: Any opposition party that says form that say forms the next government, aren't they going to have to do the same thing? Because in the end of the day, people will want these same rights.
5: Yeah, and it's going to be hard for whatever party comes in next. Uh, and that's if really if what she's done here, as opposed government.
0: as opposed to helping Ontarians. What she's really done is she's forced the hand of the opposition because they're going to have to do it too.
5: Yeah, I mean, there's they're kind of stuck now because I think that if she goes ahead with this. Um, if this party is not in government at in a, in a year and a half from now, um, it's, it's going to be hard to undo politically. Uh, so yeah, you're right. She's forcing the hand of everybody else, uh, by, by doing this, but that doesn't, of course, make it the right thing to do. Um, instead what she should be doing is, you know, repealing cap and trade, which is going to add about 23% to electricity bills or, or would if she wasn't kicking the can down the, down the road, um. It's going to add 23% to the cost of the electricity that will then, um, now we're going to put that off on future generations too. Um, so she could get rid of that. She should c- cancel all new procurement that is uh, buying new generation that we don't need. Um, she should stop spending money on conservation programs that encourage people to save electricity when the biggest incentive for people to say the electricity already exists. It's that they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. We don't need to spend hundreds of millions of dollars telling people to do it. Um, Those are things that the government could do instead. Uh, But of course they're, they're more interested in, in, winning and buying votes I
0: think. And I think what uh, you know adding on to what I was saying earlier what also really bothers me about this is the politics are really creating divisiveness on this issue. Um, By saying you either do it our way or you're anti-green she, almost like what Donald Trump's doing in the South, she's creating dif- uh, divisiveness uh, uh, among uh, people and, and green energy. I mean, I've got more people calling me now saying, this whole climate change thing, it's a hoax anyway. I mean, these people are coming out of the woodwork because instead of us giving us the honest and straight answers on green, she's using it as a fundraiser.
5: Um, yeah, actually, you know, I, I might disagree with you there about it creating divisiveness. I think one of the things that has created a lot of unity across Um, the political spectrum in Ontario is people's anger over their electricity bills. So it's not often that you'll see, um, you know, low tech advocates at the same rally as union leaders. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I I have a lot of ground of agreement with, with a lot of those people. Um, I produce videos that we share on our Facebook and they get uh, shared by the Occupy movement and by the libertarian movement. So, Um, There's a lot of agreement about the problems that this government has caused in the electricity sector. So you think
0: Uh, people are seeing above the politics and are seeing the science and um, uh, the accounting involved here?
5: I think Kathleen Wynne is bringing us all together (laughs) in opposition to to what her government is doing. There's a lot of opposition to to what her government is doing. Um, I just hope that people today see through the spin.
0: Uh, lots have been talking about industry. Does this do anything for industry at all?
5: No. This is purely for residential. Um, it it does not impact small and medium businesses. So those stories that you see in the news about, um, you know, your local butcher closing up shop because he can't afford to keep his refrigerators on. Um, and I, I've, seen a, I've seen, I think, two stories about, about butchers um, or about your local restaurants. Um, about ma- small manufacturers, those are all going to still continue to pay for expensive electricity. They're not getting a break. You're still going to see those stories about those
0: businesses closing. The liberals up. haven't made any up. indication that they're going to help industry whatsoever. And I'm thinking, after this, can we afford to help industry?
5: Um, I think that business is not the priority of this government. And
0: hmm. when
5: you when you talk to Small business owners that they absolutely agree, like they do not feel like this government cares about them, um, and it, it's a shame because you know these these businesses employ people. This is people need jobs. Um, it it's it really needs. To, uh, it needs to be a priority of this government to make this a business environment in Ontario.
0: So, Christine, how do you think this is going to play over the next few days? Is this going to be done, gone, no one cares? Uh, at the end of the day, are people going to say, well, it's still a rebate? Uh, you know, I've got one note from one person that says, I'll take the rebate. I'm still going to vote against it. Uh, her in the next election. Um, at the end of the day, will people just say, hey, it is relief, therefore, you know, I'm going yeah, to I'm gonna take it and, and, and vote for this government?
5: That's a great question. I, I've been wondering that myself. I've been wondering if people, people really are desperate for relief, especially in, in rural areas. Um, so I think people will take whatever they can get. I don't know that it's going to um, help the premier's electoral prospects, but, um, you know, I'm not an expert on, on that. And um, I think that that's the reason she did it. So that's her goal. But I, I don't know. We'll,
0: we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but with your earlier statement of it is unifying people in the sense that it's bringing people together in opposition of of Kathleen Wynne, you're leading to the side that, ooh, we've still had enough of this. But again, it does create a very odd situation moving forward because people aren't going to want uh, the next government to come in and say, yeah, we got rid of all this, but your bills are going to go up because we got to pay for Kathleen Wynne's mistake.
5: Um, yeah, I think, you know, people people are, are cynical about this government's move. I mean, even the claim today, it's going to reduce the bills by by 25%. It, people immediately said, "Ah, no, no, it won't. You already told us about that 8% HST rebate that we're paying for with our own taxes. And people saw right through the, the HST rebate. It's in one pocket out from the other. And um, I just hope people are, are going to see through this one as well. Um, you know, the government is spinning it as hard as they possibly can. But We will see what the reaction is over the next few days.
0: Christine Van Gein has been with us, Canadian Taxpayers Federation, Ontario director, and, of course, talking about uh, the Ontario's government to tackle the rising hydro rates uh, by refinancing and just pushing the problem farther down the road. Christine, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.